Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 30. We are always confronted with questions like, why don't you use blockchain? Why don't you use AI? Why don't you use cloud? A lot has been said by central bankers about the high volatility of Bitcoin, that it's, that it's risky to invest into Bitcoin and, uh, and that it's not money, that it's not a currency. And why, why is it not money? Welcome to Trade Finance Talks. My name is Tepesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Dirk Bullman at the ECB here at Cybos in London. Dirk, we're so excited to hear you speaking tomorrow about the latest in SEPA and also tips. But just to start off with, what's your elevator pitch? So tell us who you are and what you do at the ECB. Elevator pitch, I think, is that uh, a central bank is no different from other market participants. We have to be informed about what's going on in the field of innovation. We have to assess new developments and we have to embrace change where necessary. And this is what we do. This is why we have an innovation team inside the European Central Bank. I work in the field of market infrastructure and payments and a lot is happening in the field of payments. And uh, we need to make sure that uh, whatever service we provide as a central bank, and we offer many services in the field of payments, that uh, they comply with user needs and also uh, that they are in line with the technological advancements and uh, in particular with the with uh, new developments uh, and uh, new technologies with other mark- which other market players may wish to use in the future. So Dirk, what are the main initiatives and research projects coming out of the ECB Innovation Lab? So perhaps let's also touch upon the Eurochain Research Network. We have um, a Eurochain Network. What's that? It's a cooperation between central banks in Europe. It's a voluntary network where we come together, where we explore new technologies. And uh, today, with a particular focus on distributed ledger technologies, since we operate uh, large systems, which are the backbone of the financial uh, sector, since we run uh, some projects, which uh, will, uh, in, in two or three years, go live, we are always confronted with questions like, why don't you use blockchain? Why don't you use AI? Why don't you use cloud? So to some extent, we already use these technologies, but DLT, to take this very example, we don't. But uh, at a very early stage, we were confronted with this question because we are working on so many projects and the market participants in particular ask us, hey, if you do something new, why don't you use DLT? And uh, that was a couple of years ago. We didn't have the answer. So we created an innovation lab. Uh, it's really something uh, I would say, at least in, in, in Europe, in the central bank community, quite unique because you, we've decided not only to do desktop research, we, we decided really to, to roll up our sleeves and to try to understand the technology. So we have a team composed of IT experts and business experts, and they are really looking into the matter. They are exploring DLT protocols like, like Hyperledger, Quarta. We are also working together with R3 and, and IBM, for example, to, to better understand to what extent this technology could potentially one day be used for our own services. 
So you're in the exploratory phase of looking at some of these technologies, but I guess you just said you were looking at the technologies because people were asking you to explore them. Do you see a real use case or rather do you see real customer pain points that such technologies can help address? From today's perspective, no. To be frank, to be honest, the answer is no. Why is it no? And I don't want to hear negative. I'm very positive about uh, DLT. I think I'm one of the enthusiasts in, in, in this field. But uh, we, we, have to, we have to realize that what we offer as a service to the market is really of systemic importance. If liquidity doesn't flow from one country in the euro area to another, we are in trouble. So we have to use technology which is well proven, which is well tested, which is scale, which is speedy. And um, when we started exploring DLT a couple of years ago, we realized, well, it's not really fit for purpose. It's not really as stable as we thought, maybe not as efficient as we thought, but we see a lot is happening in this field and there are enormous developments and the improvements are substantial. So I personally think that's only a matter of time before DLT could uh, yeah, be better, potentially be better than existing technologies. We just don't see it at this stage. We see maybe to some extent DLT is as good as existing technology. But I think this is not a sufficient reason for us to move to DLT. If it's better, that's a different story. And this is why we are exploring it. And we, we want to be close to, to, to these developments because we want to understand when is the right moment in time? When is the technology fit for our purpose? I'm not saying it's not fit for purpose in general, but for our purpose, when you look at large value payments, retail payments, and our specific role and mandate as a central bank, at this stage, it's unfortunately not yet possible to use it. That's very interesting. And, and you know, we see lots of central banks, Bank of England, for example, uh, even looking at the use cases for fiat currencies and stable coins within that wider remit of maintaining liquidity. Do you see this? Yeah. So I think we, here we clearly distinguish the infrastructure from the asset. So infrastructure is the road and the asset you can see as a car running on the, on, the, on the road, on the street. The infrastructure I just, I already covered and I think it holds potential. And we as a central bank, we are positive. And then we have the other side, the asset. There were, okay, 10 years ago, we started with Bitcoin. A lot has been said by central bankers about the high volatility of Bitcoin. That is, that is risky to invest into Bitcoin and, uh, and that is not money, that is not a currency. And why, why is it not money? Why can it not be used like money as a unit of account, as a store of value, as a mean of payment? These are the three functions of money. It cannot because of the volatility. And uh, we have explored this phenomenon over the last years. We've, you find this on the ECB website. We have published reports, the first one already in 2012, where we always said, well, crypto assets, and here I mean the first generation Bitcoin type of uh, crypto asset, uh, they don't really, cannot really affect the, the functioning of our financial ecosystem, the traditional financial ecosystem, because the market capitalization is still relatively low. And also there are no real connections to the, to the real economy, let's put it, put it like this. So that was what we said already six, seven years ago. And for crypto assets, first generation, I think it's, it's still true. So market capitalization is still relatively low and links to the real economy, they are 
developing, but there are not that many. That was the conclusion at the time, and it's still the conclusion for crypto assets today. But then we have stable coins. So we always said, yeah, the, the, the problem with crypto assets is the volatility. And now we see new types of crypto assets or coins, asset types evolving, which are precisely targeting this weakness of the first generation. And so again, we have to understand this. And this is what we do. We have published, uh, we did the analysis and we published a paper back in, in August this year, where we, first of all, try to understand. Now, when you, when you speak about stable coins, maybe you and I have different understandings of what is a stable coin. Maybe we are all a bit, today everyone speaks about Libra, for example, is Libra a stable coin? That's a, that's a, that's a question to what extent is really, can it be stable potentially? So we, we try to, to come up with a taxonomy to understand the different types of stable coins, the ones backed by fiat currency, ones backed by other assets like, like oil or gold, the ones backed by other crypto assets, or maybe even just backed by an algorithm which, uh, which matches supply and demand. These are things we have to understand as a central bank because we have to understand what are the potential implications for us and for the financial sector in general. Dirk, thank you very much. I think it's very interesting to have a real honest, truthful debate about how early we are in the adoption of some distributed ledger technologies, particularly within the wider and very, very important remit of, of the ECB. However, it's important to note that there are other types of technologies, stablecoin being one of them that, and obviously providing, assuming we're on the same definition here, that could actually help add value to the markets. Dirk, thank you very much for joining us on Trade Finance Talks here at Cybos. It's been a pleasure and uh, we look forward to hearing your talk tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.